Good morning. We are glad that you're here. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together as God's people. We are coming to the close of spring break, and we hope that all of our people will be back safely by the end of today, and maybe next week we'll have everybody back. But we're glad that you're here. And if you're visiting, we are very glad that you are with us. And it is our prayer that if you are looking for a church home, that you would give consideration to the work here at Olive Branch. We have a lot of great things going on, and we want to do all that we can to be a light for good in this community. We're going to be looking today at what the Bible has to say about how we as God's people can address the moral ills of our society. And we want to look specifically at Psalm 11 at verse 3, and we're going to be doing that in just a moment. But as you and I look around in the world in which we live, there is a lot of gloom and doom. And there are a lot of people that are very pessimistic about the future, not just of this country, but of the world at large. And sometimes we tend to wring our hands and ask the question, what can the righteous do? And so I want us to think about that in light of the fact that the psalmist said, if the foundations be destroyed, then the question, what can the righteous do? There has been an ebbing away at the, at the, the foundations upon which not just this country but other countries have enjoyed in days gone by. And so as we think about the erosion that has created havoc, not just in America but around the world, we're going to be thinking about the question, what can the righteous do? And before we do that, I do want to mention that we have a gospel meeting that will be coming up April the 22nd. I want you to please mark your calendars. We want to do everything that we can to to make this a great meeting. And we have different speakers coming for all of our services. We have a different speaker speaking each day. And I want to encourage you to be inviting your friends and neighbors, and we'll have more to say about that in the coming, in the coming days and weeks, but I want you to please be making plans for that because it's going to be on us very, very soon. Now, having said all that, I want you to look with me at Psalm 11, verse 3, as we ask the question, what can the righteous do? As we think about the question, what can the righteous do, particularly in light of the fact that the foundations are being destroyed, what can we as God's people do to change our society for the better? In order for us to appreciate, I believe, the magnitude of what the psalmist asks, I want us to first of all look at a parallel from the past to the present. And as we go back and look at the past, I would remind you that there are certain facts that are set before us in the scriptures. And as we talk about the ebbing away, the erosion of our society and the moral fiber upon which this particular country has been founded, I believe that I have some idea as to why our country has changed in the last 50 to 60 years. Now, when you look back at the Old Testament, 
You need to remember that Paul in Romans chapter 15 at verse 4 said that the things which were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. When we look back to the past, we can see some clear indications as to why ancient Israel had problems. Now, as we think about the parallels from the past to the present, we need to understand that we are not like Israel of old in the sense we are not a theocracy. America is not God's chosen nation. We are a nation of people, that is true. And God has blessed us immeasurably. And there have been a lot of resources that have come our way, and I believe that those resources and those blessings are attributed to the hand of Almighty God. But that being said, when you look at America and you think about the, the moral fiber of our country eroding, sometimes the question is asked, why? Why are we changing as a society? And I would, I would submit unto you that the things that we are facing in this country are not unlike other problems other countries are facing as well. Now, when you look at history, I think about the words of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 at verse 9 when he said, there is nothing new under the sun. Now, it may be packaged a little bit differently, but there's really nothing new. And so first we go back and look at the past. And I want to call your attention to a command that was given by Almighty God to the children of Israel. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, God in the long ago instructed the children of Israel to instruct and teach the word of God in the home. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 at verse 4, Moses said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And then he said, And you shall teach them diligently to your children. So we understand the importance of instructing our children in the word of God. That is, from the perspective of what Moses said to the children of Israel in ancient times. They were to instruct their children and then they were to inculcate God's word into the lives of their children. And by that I simply mean they were to drill their children in the word of God. How do I know that? Well, Moses said you are to teach them diligently when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. That tells me that they were to be teaching and emphasizing the truths of Almighty God on a regular basis. They were literally to ground their homes in the word of God. Now, we look at ancient Israel and we ask the question, did they honor what God in heaven had mandated? Well, the answer is no, they didn't. If you look over in the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 2, you'll find that Moses, of course, has given God, Moses, of course, has given God's word to the children of Israel. They are to teach, they are to instruct, they are to inform their children in relationship to the will of God in heaven. Well, the Bible says that the people were faithful during the lifetime of Joshua. 
and the elders who outlived Joshua. But then down in verse 10 of Judges chapter two, the Bible tells us that another generation arose which knew not the Lord nor, nor yet the great works which he had done for Israel. And the Bible tells us that they forsook the Lord and they served the Baals. Now let me ask this question. What happened? Why the corruption? What happened in a short period of time among the children of Israel? Well, my take is what happened, they forgot to teach, to instruct, to drill their children in the word of God. And so the people, they were faithful during the lifetime of Joshua. The elders who outlived him, they were faithful. But then when another generation arises, what happened? Well, they hadn't been taught. They hadn't been grounded. And so they apostatized from the truth of Almighty God. Now, the book of Judges is called a dark period in the history of the Israelite nation. And the Judges, the period of the Judges, took place over about 350 years or so. And so then you come down in time to a prophet by the name of Hosea. And Hosea was a prophet who began his ministry sometime in the 700s. And so some three to 400 years has elapsed in the history of Israel. And here again we have a problem. And the problem is not unlike that which the people who lived during the days of Judges faced in their day and time. And so listen, if you would, to what God in heaven said through the prophet. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. Now listen to him. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now let me ask this question. How could that have been the case? Did not Moses say in the long ago that they were to teach their children diligently? When they sat in their house, when they walked by the way, when they would lie down, when they would rise up, were they not to teach, to instruct, to encourage them to follow the will of God? The answer is yes. What happened during the, the period of the judges? Somebody forgot to do what they were instructed to do. That is, mamas and daddies forgot to teach and instruct their children. Well, what happened during the period of the prophet Hosea? Somebody forgot to do their homework, didn't they? Mamas and daddies forgot to teach, to instruct, to ground their children in the word of God. Now look at verse 6. In verse 6, here's what the prophet said. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So here were people that were illiterate in the word of God. Here were people that had been given the very oracles of God, according to the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3, verse 1. And yet they were illiterate. They didn't know what God's word said. Now, not only were they illiterate, but they were immoral. Look, if you would, at verse 2. Listen to what the prophet said. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing, 
and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. If I didn't know better, I would think the prophet was talking about Memphis, Tennessee. If I didn't know better, I would think he was talking about Atlanta, Georgia, or Chicago, or New York, or Los Angeles, or any other metropolitan city. Now, having said that, I want to ask the question, what's wrong with our society? Why, why the corruption? Why the immorality? Why the, the blatant ungodliness in the society in which we live? Let me offer for you my reason. I believe the problem in our society is not that we do not have access to the word of God, but rather it is that we have made a decision in this country. And that decision is we are going to banish the word of God from our lives. We have effectively in this country said no to the Bible. We have said we're too sophisticated for it. We are too knowledgeable to be governed by the word of God. It is outdated. It is archaic. It is old-fashioned. We do not need it. Well, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon makes an observation. He said, where there is no revelation, in other words, where there is no prophetic vision. Listen to him. The people cast off restraint. What was the problem with the children of Israel? Let me tell you what their problem was. They said no to the word of God. They said, we do not need this book governing our lives. Now listen again to what the prophet said. There's no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now note the correlation again. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint. Listen to me. When you say no to the word of God, then mayhem will result. In our country, we, say, we have said we do not need the word of God. Well, guess what? We're going to pay the piper. Now we talk about the command that was given to ancient Israel, the corruption of ancient Israel, but then I want you to see with me in the third place very quickly the consequences that ancient Israel faced. Now we ask the question, when we choose to ignore the will of God, when we say we do not need God in our lives any longer, what are the consequences of that? Well, go back to Judges 21, 25. We talk about that dark period in the history of Israel. And the Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This right here, this book that we call the Bible, that's the standard. The word of God was to have been the standard during the period of the Judges. 
But they said, we don't need the word of God. So guess what? Everybody just does what's right in his or her own eyes. Is that not how our society acts today? Your standard is as good as mine. Your thinking is as good as mine. Your religion is as good as mine, and so on down the list. Is that not the thinking of our society? And then the prophet. In Hosea chapter 8 at verse 7, he said, they have sown the wind and they will reap the whirlwind. We are reaping the whirlwind of a morally bankrupt society. And the reason is because we have said no to God's word. And then in Hosea chapter 8 verse 12, the prophet in the long ago said, I have given unto them the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. You see the problem? Ancient Israel had the word of God at their disposal. They had it to rule, to govern, to guide their lives, and they said, we don't need it. It had become foreign to their ears. And so they, they paid a heavy price. And if you look at the northern kingdom, what happened to the northern kingdom of Israel? They went into captivity. What happened to the southern kingdom? You remember the prophet Jeremiah? Jeremiah pleaded with the people of God to return to the old paths and to walk therein, and their response, we will not walk therein. You remember what Jeremiah said? It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. The prophet was saying on behalf of Almighty God, it's not possible for mankind to live separate and apart from revelation. We think we can. We think we can make a go of it. And we're trying to do that right now. And you know what? We're paying a heavy price for it. Now, I want you to think with me in the second place about the prescription for present society. We talk about a parallel from the past to the present, but what about the prescription? Let me tell you what the prescription for our society is. It's summed up in one word, faith. And really what I'm talking about is the faith, the comprehensive system of truth once for all delivered. Now, the psalmist asked the question, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So here's the question, what can we do? We see, we see the erosion that's taking place in our society. We see people all around us engaging in, in any number of activities that we know are foreign to the Bible. We see people swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, breaking all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. That is everyday America. So what can we do? Is there hope? Is there some way that you and I as, as, as citizens of this country can hope to turn this, this system around? <clears throat> well, I think there's hope. Let me offer for you at least three, three things that we can do. Number one, I would submit unto you that we need to realize that the word of God has the power to change an ungodly society. Now please listen very carefully. The power to change America is in the word and not in Washington. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm not telling you that being involved politically is wrong. I'm not trying to discourage you from being involved in the political process. But what I am saying is, if you think those guys in Washington have all the answers to the moral ills of our country, you, my friend, are sadly mistaken. If anything, those guys are the ones who have contributed to the moral ills of our nation. They are the ones that have hooked our wagons to the horses and are leading us further and further away from God's word. So what we have to do is understand that the power is in the gospel. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. When the apostle Paul began his evangelistic ministry, think about, think about the time in which he was preaching and teaching. Go back and read about the Roman Empire. You want to talk about an ungodly, baseless empire? That was the very center in which Paul found himself. So what did Paul do? When Paul went into the city of Athens, that great intellectual center of his day, what did he do? He preached the one true living God, didn't he? He said the times of ignorance God has winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he's appointed a day in which he's going to judge the world in righteousness. Verse 31, Acts 17. When the apostle Paul went to the city of Corinth, what did he do? Luke tells us in Acts 18 verse 8 that for some 18 months, the apostle Paul preached the word of God to the Corinthians. And Luke said many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now, just so you'll know what kind of people Paul was dealing with, read 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor drunkards, nor covetous, nor revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God? And such were some of you. Look around in our society today. What do you see? People living in open fornication. Did you know that about 41% of all births in our country today are to unwed mothers? What does that say? People don't have a problem with, problem with promiscuity. What about homosexuality? Did you know that we have people today pushing for same-sex marriages? This isn't, this isn't anything new. There are other countries, they've already, they've already given their validation to it. We're just following suit. There are people today, they don't have a problem with men living with men and women living with women. But I want you to hear me very carefully. We can call it marriage all we want, but that doesn't make it a marriage in the eyes of Almighty God. God is the one that made the male and the female. And that is a marriage between a man and a woman. It will never be a marriage in the eyes of God between two men or two women. I don't care what people say. Won't fly with God. So you look at the Corinthians. Think about the Apostle Paul when he stood before Felix. Felix was a part of the Roman government. And do you know what the Apostle Paul did? He reasoned with him 
about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. That's what he did. That's what we need to do. We need to sit down with our friends, our neighbors, our family members, our classmates, the people that we work with, and talk to them about what God in heaven has said. We talk about the erosion of our society and how our society is moving further and further away from Almighty God. The reason is because we have forgotten the power of the gospel. We have forgotten that the gospel is God's power to save. That's what we need to be preaching and teaching. There's a second thing. We need to realize the power of Christian influence in an ungodly society. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, verse 19, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. The devil is called the God of this world, the God of this age in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And you and I, we need to understand that the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So what about us as members of the family of God? Can we make a difference in this world? Absolutely. When Jesus came into this world, it was engulfed in darkness. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So we are to walk, we are to conduct ourselves as Christians, as God's people. Go back and look at Sodom. Do you remember when Abraham pleaded on behalf of Sodom? Sodom? Did not God say he would spare the city of Sodom if 10 righteous souls could be found? The answer is yes. Can we make a difference? Yes. The question is, do we want to make a, a difference? And then there is a third thing I believe we can do. And that is we need to realize the power of speaking up in an ungodly society. Listen, if you would, to what Isaiah the prophet said in the long ago. He said, cry aloud, spare not. In other words, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Do we not have a voice? Can we not use that voice for good? Jeremiah in Jeremiah 22, 29 said, O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. What we ought to be saying is, America, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Wherever we go, we ought to be sharing the word of God. Now listen, I understand that there are forces at work that are striving to the best of their ability to muzzle us. What they want to do is say, you don't say a word about your faith. It seems to me that we live in a country, we live in a culture today where anything goes but Christianity. Anything goes but the Bible. Well, that's going to continue to move in that direction unless we as the people of God stand up and speak out. And we need to be speaking out not just here, but we need to be speaking out all, ac all across this country. I would love to have an audience with the Congress and Senate. I would love to stand on the floor of Congress or Senate and the Senate 
Because I think back to when I was growing up. And I think about, well, I think about the public school system. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. Where I went to public school, in elementary, well, in elementary school, we had weekly Bible class. I have in my desk a copy of the New Testament and Psalms that was given to me in a public school system. Now these guys up in Washington and other places around our country, they think they're so smart and they think that they have all the answers. Well, my question to them is, and what I'd like to ask Congress and Senate and even the President, how are things working out for you now? You think you're so smart. You think you, you know how this country ought to operate. Look at the deterioration of our society, morally speaking. Why is that? It's because we have said no to the word of God. I don't have a problem telling anybody in this country, I don't care who they are, and I don't say that in an arrogant way, but the bottom line is, if we say no to the Bible, then just stand back because problems will come. We are reaping the bitter harvest of ungodly seed. We've made our bed and we're lying in it right now. You and I, we can make a difference, but we can't make a difference if we sit back and do not say anything. We have got to step up and speak up. If we do not speak up, you know somebody said in the long ago, all that is necessary for wickedness to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Are you happy with the direction of this country? Are you happy with the direction of our society? Let me answer that for you. I'm not happy with it. I think we are, I think we are in sad, sad shape in this country. The answer is easy. Go back to the Bible. Now we talk about the breakdown of the home in ancient Israel. What's the old saying? As the home goes, so goes the nation. Why is it our country is struggling today? It's because the home is not what it ought to be. Mamas and daddies are not doing their job. And that goes for those of us who are in the church. We're not doing our job. If we'll go back to the Bible, I think we would see a change. But if we continue this present course, well, you be the judge of how things will end. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for this day, for the many blessings of this life. We're thankful for your love and care for us. We're thankful for the Bible. We're so grateful that we can read and study your word. We're thankful that we can look to the past and we pray that we would learn from it. We ask you, Father, to forgive us when we are not what we ought to be. Help us 
to do what's right. There are things that we can do and we pray that we will do them. That we would be a Christian influence, that we would be a Christian voice for good. That we would exalt your word in this community, in this state, in this region, in this nation, and in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, our plea to you, come to Christ. The Bible tells us that Christ died for our sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess his name, be baptized into Christ. The Bible tells us that you can be forgiven, that God will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 38 and verse 47. And the, the promise is, if you live faithfully, God will bestow on you the crown of life. If you're here today, maybe you're not faithful. Maybe you're not what you ought to be. Could we pray with you and for you? The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another. Could we pray with you today as we stand and sing?